listening to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast, serving the latest news in sci-fi multimedia. And now your hosts, Scott and Miles. Your table is ready. It's long and This is the capital. We have a little problem with our entry sequence, so we may experience some slight turbulence and then explode. I got a bad feeling about this. Walter, put the cow away, would you? What is this place? It's a freak show. Welcome to the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast. This is our listener feedback show, episode 75, and we are coming live from the Farpoint Con 2013, the 20th anniversary of Farpoint, and this is our first show that we ever have done live. I'm one of your hosts, Scott Herzog. Good afternoon. This is Miles McLaughlin. And uh, we have with us a couple other people uh, here in the room as well. We won't introduce everyone. They can introduce themselves a little bit later on. But we have David Moulton, who has been on the show in uh, the Sci-Fi Diner Rewind when we rewound Terminator. Yes, hello. Yes, this is David Moulton. He comes from a podcast called The Landcast. Do you want to tell us a little bit about The Landcast for people that may not be familiar with that show? Sure thing. Uh, the Landcast uh, started off as a very hyper-local thing for Lancaster, Pennsylvania, but it, it's definitely grown beyond. Um, our tag is to take ordinary people and explore extraordinary conversation. So we like to take people in uh, and talk about things that they're known for, but, but even more so we like to talk about the things that you wouldn't necessarily talk to them about, mm-hmm. hidden hobbies and such. Right, right. So vagabonds from the street, you just kind of bring them in, right? Right, they're the right. best ones. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so so um, the way we kind of view the show today is we're just going to talk about Farpoint a little bit and then maybe get into some of the uh, shows and stuff that we're watching. Sound good, Miles? Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Um, we have a mic up here, by the way, and if at any point there's something that you are really dying to talk about, you do not have to come up to the mic. It should be able to pick you up where you're at, and uh, he's going to be monitoring and raising the level because we have a little bit of hum coming through it, but uh, we'll work with that. All right. So Farpoint 2013, how's it been so far? Lots of fun. Lots of fun. Lots of fun. Uh, Miles, you were here last night. I didn't get into this morning. Tell me about last night a little bit. Uh, I got here about 6 o'clock in the evening, and um, so it, it, it always feels like coming home and, and got... You get to see some friends you only get to see like maybe a couple times a year, so that's that was good. Got to do that. Uh, there were some so- stormtroopers walking around. That was fun watching them. You know, just uh, hang out. Mm-hmm. Um, got to see um, Lee Ehrenberg and uh, John Billingsley and Benita Friderici checking at the hotel. So I was asking if I get some if the hotel let me ha- use their Wi-Fi, and they said no because I wasn't a guest. Oh, okay. But you can steal John. But that's okay. We won't tell him. We'll edit it out of the podcast. But. Uh, <laughs> But went to went to some of the panels. The panels are some of the best things about Farpoint. You, you, you get a group of people in a room talking about either your favorite show or something. You know, a lot of it's a favorite show. Or, or we, I just got back from the Star Trek Twelve um, panel. Talk about the, the new Star Trek movie. So that's that's always fun. That's all. That is fun. So Star Trek Twelve. Was there any other panels that you attended other than that? Uh, well, last night I attended to. I attended. There was a D Space Nine. A panel talking about the minor characters in it, although the emphasis was that they aren't, you know, they may 
have less screen time than the majors, but they're not minor in any way. And I also attended the Game of Thrones uh, panel. Okay, and they were they were good. Well they're, done. They're very enjoyable. Yeah, very well done. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I arrived this morning, so I didn't attend any panels, but I did get to step out of the TARDIS into. And here the TARDIS. We have a life-size TARDIS some guy built. It, unfortunately, is not bigger on the inside. Yeah, we, we haven't figured out how to do that yet. No, no, but that, that, that would be amazing. Yes. But it gets my picture taken in it mm-hmm. and by you, and it's on Facebook if people really care about it. But that is really cool. Definitely. Definitely. <laughs> I definitely want it. So it's one of those things that I would love. Um, uh, and the nice wh- thing is this guy's doing it, you know, for free for, for uh, people at the con and just get a picture in. Yeah, he's just trying to promote it. Mm-hmm. He's trying, in fact, I think uh, I talked to him about maybe doing a short interview with him a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. So that'd be cool if we so could. Doctor Who make, fans are going to love that. That's that definitely. Uh, what else have you guys been doing at the con? Drinking. Drinking. <laughs> Drinking's always good. Last night, lots of drinking. Yeah, yeah. Did, did karaoke last night? Yeah, karaoke was awesome. Did you, did you sing? No, but I did drink. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so on. I made karaoke even more enjoyable. Yes, yes. They, yes they did, yes. We were, Once Upon uh, a Time panel yesterday was w- lots of fun. Was that awesome? Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty good. And the opening ceremonies were really great. And the, uh, the guest actors they had in some of the uh, Prometheus Radio Theater productions, they were, they were having a great time. Rob Paulson did a uh, Peter Lorre impression as his character, and he, he was just, just amazing. And John Billingsley was just acting it up very well. It was awesome. lots of fun. Awesome. I saw he did a, uh, a, a face mask cast of Billingsley out, out where we were sitting in the center uh, that they're going to auction off a charity tonight, I guess, as part of the charity auction. Oh, tonight. cool. So, so, but he sat there and they did it kind of live, and that was kind of cool, too, to see them work with that. What you, John, what have you been doing? I more or less did the same things that Miles did. I, went, I attended the same two panels. Um, and uh, afterwards got to sit and enjoy uh, some time uh, at the bar with Miles discussing every subject from, <laughs> from, from work to Star Trek to even Star Wars and talking about J.J. Yeah. Abrams a bit. Yeah. So that was fun. That's yeah. always my favorite thing is just connecting with people you don't yeah. see but twice mm-hmm. a year. It's been, it's been one of the highlights of the cons coming and just chatting with John Frage, by the way. He's been on our show before and you've heard him if you listen to the diner long enough. Neil was speaking earlier and Turpat. That's why I, I call you that. I don't. Everybody knows me as yeah, to, to and, uh, and um, but Neil's been on uh, our fringe panels we've done before, and we're going to be on a fringe panel with five o'clock. I guess we have another four o'clock. Pro- is it four o'clock? It's our it's our final fringe panel because unless they actually do like a TV episode or we get into the novelizations of it, probably won't go beyond this. But uh, because they, yes, they, they have what is there four prequel novels planned? Is that your understanding? I, I, I haven't uh, paid, looked into that. Haven't paid attention. I, I know that I saw the covers to them, but. That was about as far as I got. So, but um, all right. Well, so Miles, let's talk. What, what are we? What are we watching? What are we into? What, what's going on? Um, let's up. We can we can kind of update it. Maybe not spoil things too much for people that might be interested in checking these out later. But. Yeah, um, um, really enjoying Arrow. That that premiered last year in the mm-hmm. fall. I think that's just a. Very well written superhero TV series, and they really seem to have nailed this guy as Arrow. I wasn't sure how he was going to transition out of this Smallville, Smallville Arrow. I mean, I'm so used to seeing him, and I know when he wasn't kind of given the job, uh, people were kind of bummed that he wasn't the Arrow because everyone was kind of used to seeing him as the Arrow. But I think they really nailed. They have the right guy playing this haunted um, recluse of of a guy that's. 
been through hell and back in this island, and we right. still don't know everything that's happened. Although we He's get been some damaged, back, yeah, we get some backstory really this past week's episode. But uh, and comes into a city that is for all intents and purposes really Gotham. I mean, right, I oh mean, yeah, I mean it's uh, it's it's the it's there, there's this seedy underbelly, and you don't know there's corruption and maybe not politics so much, but in co- corporate corruption, and you mm-hmm. just you, you don't know you can't you can't trust his family. He but but there's these he has these friends that. He's not really totally being honest with, and there's this all this stuff just going on that really makes it a complex show, a much more complex show than I thought it was going to be when it came in, um, but uh, but makes it a very interesting show nonetheless. I uh, agree with everything you just said. Yeah. Are any of you watching Arrow? Yeah. You're watching Arrow. Uh, so Neil, what what is your opinion about the way Arrow's been going? I, I thought it's been good, and he's been building up. You know, first it was him on his own, and then he uh, got uh, Diggle, and now. Going to have a new new character who's uh, he's been working with, who's finally figured it out and helped him in the last episode, and maybe helping him a bit more. So that's interesting. And then we have John Barrowman's character, who who was a complete mystery at the beginning, and now has and has been revealed more about him. And uh, but we we don't know much 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 about him at all. So th- there's a lot of mysteries and a lot of interesting things going on. And I think that's one of the things that makes the show interesting for me is there's a sense of mystery and intrigue, and you really don't know. Uh, I have my own speculations on John Barrowman's character, but especially the scene that kind of show him with the, the 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 samurai armor in the background. Remember that scene I'm talking about? They show him, and and I think he has tie-ins to the island, and maybe they actually did they show that this past week's episode at all? No. Okay, they did. So I have a speculation that he's actually was on the island the same time the arrow was. Um, I don't know if that's going to pan out or not, but I think that there's a tie-in that they kind of don't tell. But I think that Captain Jack from Torchwood, or John Barrowman, you know, he's it's great to see him acting number one again in the sci-fi show, and it's great to see the mystery that's surrounding him in there. But go ahead. So all right, I have to ask since there's the obvious comparison to. Uh, Smallville, how campy is the show? I haven't seen it yet. Not a lot of camp. I, I don't think it's. I don't think it's campy at all. Would you say there's any camp in the show? It's no. definitely uh, Smallville. Definitely had the campiness, just yeah. in the outfits and what they did. And they don't even refer to him as the Green Arrow. He's like referred to as like the Hood or uh, the Vigilante is kind of how he's referred to. And they, I think they had a joke of him being called that, and and it was dismissed. Right. In one episode. So they kind of acknowledge it. Uh, um, so and, and they bring in, and they bring in some they bring in some people if you're, if you're familiar with the Green Arrow lore which I'm not but I hear about um, they bring in um, the guy that did the uh, drug what's his name the Count they bring in the Count Count Vertigo yeah so and they bring him in as this, they call him what do they call him Count yeah and the drug's called Vertigo that he has and Agent Lincoln Lee from Fringe uh, for those of you that are Fringe fans out there plays plays him and does a wonderful acting job and that's one of the things that we've really enjoyed about the show too is they bring in a lot of these. Other sci-fi characters we've known throughout the years that they kind of just drop them in and they kind of play these small supporting roles. Tom O'Penico was in. Right. The, um, his, name, his real name eludes me at the moment, but um, Cameron, played Cameron Mitchell in, in SG-1. Oh, but, but was it Ben? Ben Browder, ben yeah. Browder. yeah. He, um, but I would say Arrow is kind of in, almost in the spirit of the uh, Christopher Nolan Batman movies. In, in, okay. in the sense that they're playing it as real as possible. If somebody in a costume with a bow and arrow is, you know, real, but I mean, I think, <laughs> right? But yeah, does, I mean, it ha- does it have the danger of, of the 
creature of the week, so to say, mentality? Happening no, to they're it? playing it pretty straight. Uh, yeah, as far not, as not creature, maybe at times, maybe villain of the week, mm-hmm. but there is. But even that, there's typically these villains tie into a larger arc. Wouldn't you say right, there's yeah. this? Yes, there there are some, especially some of the earlier ones. You, they drop some villains in, and you aren't sure how they play, but they they serve either to push out his character more, or they or they do play into the larger arc. And there's this mysterious book kind of. He has this, for the lack of a better term, this hit list that he's that he's kind of following that his father's created, or he thinks his father has created. And we aren't really certain because at one point you think his father created, it, and then another point there's. There's other copies of this list around, and we aren't sure it's what's going on. Maybe, maybe it was supposed to be a blackmail book or something. Yeah. So we aren't. We aren't. There, there's a lot. Of, there's some uncertainty here. I think um, there's a TED talk uh, that J.J. Abrams did. If you ever saw it, called the Mystery Box. And I think what makes this show work um, is the same thing that kind of made Fringe work and made Lost work. Because there's a sense of mystery and intrigue that you don't know the answers to. You speculate. You talk about it. And you come back the next week saying, okay, is there going to be more of this mystery revealed? Or maybe you know that, for example, that he can't really trust his mother, but how is that going to play out? There's a sense of uncertainty, and I think that's what it, that's really working for the show. And Miles and I have talked about before, but Arrow is probably the biggest surprise hit for us of this year. And it's already been renewed. Yeah, oh, it has. I don't even say I didn't pay attention. When did they renew that? I think that was uh, last week or the week, okay. week before. Okay, yeah, so it's been renewed. Good, so we get at least a season two on it. Right. And is this a full 21-episode season, or is this a... I believe so. Okay, very good. I can handle it. I've been enjoying it. I can handle it. So, yeah. So, Arrow, Arrow, any, anything else in Arrow before we move on? Yeah, if you haven't watched it, give, give it a chance. Yeah, well worth checking out. Yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. And let us know what you think when you watch it. Uh, Continuum. We're watching Continuum as well. Yeah, that, that that premiered in Canada last year, and I was bummed that they couldn't. Um, yeah, we were harassing the Canadians that they should ship it. And, we were figuring out ways to kind of get it down. Go ahead. But we could. But uh, no, they finally. You know, it's finally on the Sci-Fi Channel. So yeah, it's it's it, a lot of the supporting characters are. It's a who's who of Stargate, but Stargate alumni. But you know, <laughs> you're you're going to get that when you film a, t- a Sci-Fi show in Canada. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, Doctor Zelenka is in it sometimes, mm-hmm. and um, Hawk. And uh, who else? Um, There's been Michael nothing. Shank's wife. Uh, oh yeah, uh, Alexa name. Doig. Yeah, Alexa. Thank you, Alexa Doig. She, 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 she's one of the liberate characters. Um, and um, Tony Amendola's character. He, he's another Stargate alumni. Yeah. Uh, he's he's a leader of Liberate. Yeah. So it's been it's been kind of it's been kind of good just to kind of watch that show uh, as it develops and interesting uh, theories on time travel that they kind of explored this past week. Because right. um, initially, I, I mean, time travel is kind of a finicky thing whenever you get into it because there's so, there's, you know, everyone and their grandmother has a theory about it, right? And, and, and a lot of genres deal with it differently. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and you kind of thought going back into this show, the way they were kind of treating it was kind of a linear path, the way they've been kind of like, you go back and you can't alter the past or the fact that they're already there is altering the past, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, unless, of course, they've always were sort of supposed to be back there, which means they aren't altering the past. Right, right. It well, comes circular pretty fast. <laughs> a predestination paradox. Yeah. Something. But they kind of blow that theory seemingly out of the water this last episode. Right. Uh, is everyone watching? Are you watching Continuum? No. You aren't? All right, it's fine. You're watching it? Very good. What, what, what do you think of it? No, I haven't seen this last episode. Okay. Oh, okay. <laughs> close your ears, close your ears. No. But... Well, yeah, they they test the theory: can you kill off um, 
you know, a grandparent. Yeah, this is, a, this is the old Asimov uh, grandfather mm-hmm. paradox, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. They test the theory if, if, if they kill off a relative or your, your, your grandparent, will you erase that person's existence? Right. And so the, you know, the, the Back to the Future uh, postcard right. type yeah. test. Exactly. Yeah, back, a good back to, back, the Back to the Future reference is a good one. And, and, and it, they do it with three different characters. They do it with, uh, you know, Tommy Amadola sees his, you know, his, his pregnant mother. mother. Yeah, yeah. Uh, with him, you know. Yeah, in the womb. And then uh, the other yeah. guy, I forget the other guy's name. His name's Kellogg, and his, his grandmother has been taken hostage, and uh, Kira is trying to protect her grandmother, and so. Yeah. Um, Phenomenal character, by the way, her grandmother. I'm so glad they chose that girl, because she's <laughs> such a... Wild card. She is such a wild card, and it, she's kind of this Gen Xer. I don't know how you describe her. Uh, she's a scene girl, and yet she's totally there's, there's there's attitude, but she has heart kind of mixed with that attitude. I think I was talking to you about that. Right, right, yeah. It's interesting because I mean the grandfather paradox. For those of you that everyone's familiar with the grandfather paradox here, okay, so it, it, if they kill off his grandmother, right, mm-hmm. he doesn't exist, then they will have no reason. For if he doesn't exist, they would have no reason to kill off his grandmother, which means that they wouldn't kill her off, and he would exist, right? I'm getting headaches just thinking about that one. <laughs> yeah, that, that's how it goes. Yeah, okay. it, it, it depends on how you look at it. Some people would say that time would just be stuck in a loop, right? For those characters, like they would never be able to escape constantly redoing that, those actions over and over again. But that's like hell. Yeah, that's like what, was it like the uh, um, the, was that Sisyphus that rolled the rock up the hill, right? Yeah. And he can, by the time he got to the top, he loses his strength and back down. That's, that's what that is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but uh, what's what, some other thoughts about Continuum for those of you that are watching Continuum? So, I mean, it's an interesting setup in that, you know, the, the liberate characters, you know, the way they're originally presented, you know, their goal seems to be appealing to the audience, except the way that they go about it with their terrorism is, you know, just way over, you know, repulsive to everybody. So, so, so there's the dichotomy there um, that, that you'd like to be rooting for them, but the way that they do things, you, you can't root, root for them. And then you've got, the, you know, you've got this character who she's working with in the present day who turns into William Davis. Uh, <laughs> Cigarette-smoking man. Right, and, 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 he, and he, he looks really sinister in, um, as, as William Davis, his, his character there. So, I mean, I'm thinking that through her interactions with him, he's going to be, a, you know, in the end, in the future, he's going to be, it's going to be a better future for, for everybody because of her working with him. He's not going to be such a, a hard guy in the future. But that's it. I did like that scene where she uh, meets Davis in, the, in her future. Right. And he has this sort of knowing smile like, this is the first time I'm meeting you for the second time. I, right. I really love that. <laughs> sort of like how, uh, how, um, in Time's Arrow and Next Generation, when uh, Picard meets Guinan for the second time on on Ten Forward, she just sort of comes around a corner with this sly grin, like, "Yep, we just we just did that five hundred yeah. years ago." Right, great. right. And that, and I think that's one of the things that I, I I liked is seeing that, especially his character play out, and knowing that this is the end result, and that all these interactions are going to somehow play into that end result. It's kind of a, a fascinating look at the show, and um, it's, it's just interesting. I want to jump back to what you were talking about, Liberate. Miles and I have had the discussion is they initially paint Liberate as the villain of the show, but 
as they talk, there's a lot about what they say that I'm like, oh, I'm kind of on board with this, you know? That opening monologue, you know, where, where oh, Frank yeah. is sitting at his desk and then he, he tells this great speech and you're behind him and then the building blows up and you're like, whoa, maybe I'm not so behind it anymore. <laughs> there's a little bit like you almost have, they almost create like a sympathy or heart for the terrorists. Like maybe the idea, maybe it's that there's no way that they can get their message across anymore but this way. I mean, going through corporate channels, is that really going to change anything when you're fighting the corporation and the corporation's running anything? Right, and then I think it was in last week's episode that they showed the origin of Liberate when they're having this peaceful get-together and then the government comes and busts in on them. And so, you know, you're really, you're meant to be sympathetic to them there. Yeah, Yeah, the writing forces you... To not be sure who 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 whose side to pick on. I mean, I mean, Liberate already has a lot of blood on their hands from what they did in their present. Now that they're in our present, they've shed a lot of blood there too. So it's yeah, you, you, you can't approve of their methods, but you hear their message. It's like oh, maybe some of that does resonate with me. You know, it's uh, yeah. so. But that that, that that that's bringing the writers to kind of not paint things so black and white, but to, there's there's little shades of gray everywhere. You know, and I, I have a uh, the main character's name again is what? Kira. Kira. So mm-hmm. Kira, I, I always lose names. If you know, if you listen to the show <laughs> long enough, I don't remember anyone's name. Uh, who am I podcasting with? <laughs> but uh, uh, but uh, her role, um, you, you don't know whether she's fighting for the right side either. By you know, because as a as a as a, uh, as a cop, she's kind of fighting for the corporation that's hired her or the government that's hired her, hired her. But you're not certain along the way that she is really doing the right thing when you kind of hear Liberate speak, especially. You're kind of a little bit uncertain whether she's really fight or if she's going to even end up on the same side that she's on. Right. And there was a, she had to make a decision a couple episodes back what, you know, to, to apprehend this woman. Um, I mean... Or let her go. Or let her go. Yeah. I mean, um, she, her... her her, her duty as a, as a, as a law enforcement officer would have been to arrest this woman, but she knows who this woman means to the future, and so she she has you know she's trying to preserve her own future too. So she she's kind of walking the line too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, let's move into uh, Walking Dead, right? Mm-hmm. So you've been keeping up with Walking Dead, right? It came back last week. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what did you think? Uh, very uh, very strong opening. For, for, uh, I heard the whole Daryl and Merle issues kind of resolved, sort of. Sort of. Um, so they, they, uh, you know, at, at the end of the mid-season finale, they, they had, you know, they put the governor was going to make them two fight each other, um, and the governor was a little, you know, a little ticked off that you know Merle uh, lied to him about Michonne. Uh, he said Michonne, he had said that he had killed Michonne when he hadn't. Um, but then our, our heroes come back to, to rescue Daryl, and uh, um, more hijinks ensues. And um, so, and the governor is a mess now. He's lost an eye, and um, mentally he is. We, we was very deranged to begin with, but now that he's lo- what he's lost a lot since since the, the, all this happened. Um, He's, he, he can't really govern this colony anymore. Um, Laurie Holden's character steps it up and try, you know, because the people are like, well, what, what are you doing here? I mean, you know, should we stay? Should we go? And she manages to sort of be the hero and just, you know, calm people down and just say, hey, we'll get through this if we stick together. Mm-hmm. Um, but but what was interesting, I was talking to um, 
one of the folks who came to the con, him and his son dressed up as the uh, um, the county sheriff and deputy from that that the character Rick was uh, a part of. Okay. Uh, so we, uh, he and I were talking for a few minutes, and he said, "Yeah, now you have you know, you know your your your, your hero and your bad guy both going crazy <laughs> uh, because uh, Rick is seen, you know woman in the white dress at the end and." Um, which nobody else can see, and um, well, he's the, been hearing voices, right? He, yeah, so. he, he's been getting phone calls from you know, from from, from the be- from the near beyond, and yeah. uh, and we know what the problems the governor's having. So our, our you know the, our antagonist and protagonist are definitely having some um, issues. Yeah, who out, who's watching Walking Dead? You're watching Walking. You guys, we're watching Dead. You know what? I and I'm gonna be. I'm kind of with this crew over here that hasn't been watching Walking Dead because I watched the first two seasons, and second season was okay. It wasn't. I think this season they came in and said, "Okay, all stops are out. It's going to be blood, gore, and let's hack off people's legs every single episode." Or it seemed that way coming in, because when we were when we were at Herschel's farm last year, it was much more. People complained because it was a slower show. There was a lot of character development happening. Um, but I was okay with that. And, uh, you know, I got three episodes in this year, and I think I was sharing with one of you that they, they hack off they Herschel's leg. When they hack that thing off and they show it, I just kind of said, you know what? I don't need this in my life right now. And I have the entire season is on, like, my I, – like, I bought it. I have it on my iTunes. I can watch it if I want to. And maybe I will sometime when I'm kind of holed in, but – yeah, I, I haven't seen it. I think since the, since that episode where Herschel's leg was hacked off, the rest of the episodes are on my DVR, and I'll get to it. But so you were watching, it. yes, yeah. So and, and I was kind of that was kind of the part I said I I, I, need, I need to stop. And I don't know if I'm just my my age or sentiment or what it is, but I just uh, and it's not that I have anything against the show. I just just couldn't handle it. So, but but John, you said you're watching it. Yeah. So, any thoughts about the way it came back or this the season so far? It seems a little slow. It seems like they were trying to get some continuity back. Uh, I know that Michonne was uh, a lot more trusted early in the comic book, um, and so right now the, they're they're keeping her at, at arm's length, even the same as um, um, uh, I can't remember the uh, the brother's name, Daryl's brother's name, Merle. 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 Uh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, so I'm 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 interested to see that journey back if they if they let that happen, um, but Walking Dead has always been a monster, see a monster show, where the zombies are not the monsters the people are the monsters. Mm-hmm. So I I always enjoy that that uh, that trope I guess I guess mm-hmm. now it's a trope for the show, and watching all the characters develop and watching their their walk through insanity and and their their gauntlet back. Through the fire, I guess. Uh, I still enjoy it, even if it is a little over the top gory. Uh, I know that I, I sort of trust that there's a method, that there's a, yeah. a, a, a reason for all of that, for all of that over the top gore. I think that's one of the things about the show that I've appreciated because, uh, David, you and I were talking about how um, there seems to be a sense where we're, we're dropped into the world, there are no zombies, right? They, like ha- there's, no, there's no mythos of zombies, at least it doesn't seem to be because they seem to be this is kind of a new thing for them. And so they're having to learn how to deal with the zombies. And as part of that, they're learning what it means to, like, what, how far will you go to retain who you are, your sanity? 
Um, if someone gets bit, how far do you go to save them? And what does it mean? To, where, where do loyalties really lie when, when, when you're hungry or when you're injured, when people are sick or when they're pregnant? What are you where going to lies? do? Yeah, where are the lies? And, and they're, they're breaking them. And I look at it, and I think maybe the thing that disturbs me is to say, if I were in that situation, I don't know how in the hell I'd handle that. You know, because, that, because seriously, if we were pushed in a society where everything we know is gone, or practically, mm-hmm. you know, how would I, what would I do? See, now that, that's what makes me interested to watch the show. Now, I, I, I don't watch it because I started to, and I, I was like, I got into the first couple episodes, I was like, man, this would make such a great book. I can't handle the pacing of a TV show. Like, I just want to read this and go through it. And I got the comic book set down, I opened up the comic books, and I got got in a little bit and I was like man this would make such a good television show I just want to watch this I don't want to read it so I haven't done either because neither of them really satisfy me so but but when you when you add like that perspective in I think I might find it a little bit more interesting than just the zombie people thing I think it's always what makes um a good uh, post-apocalyptic kind of drama is work is how like it really is and maybe this is what good sci-fi does it really explores what we as humanity what we're either a capable of, or to what lengths we'll go to preserve it, or either see the best in humanity, or you see the worst in humanity, and it's showing when you kind of, you know, put us under trial and put us under fire, or have zombies attacking us, and that'll do it for you, you know. And it does it, it does that same thing, right? Um, I think it's one of the things that makes it what is making the show work, but I think the uh, is what I'm having difficulty with at the same time. So, did you have anything you want to say, Miles? No, uh, good. no, no, right, all right, yeah, <laughs> but. Yeah. Any other thoughts on Walking Dead and the way they uh, kind of are presenting it? But I think that's probably a good analysis of the show where he's at right now. So, um, so Downtown Abbey. Yes. <laughs> I warned. We, I was I was talking to David earlier this week, and he was jokingly about. He, he's actually a fan of Downtown Abbey, and I refuse to watch it on principle. Um, it's on principle, possibly because my wife watches it, not because I don't want to watch it with her. It's just I have so many other sci-fi shows that keep me interested. That you know, how, how can I put another show on my plate? I watch Bones, and my only justification that is that Angel's in it. So, so and then, you know, but uh, so Downtown Abbey, John, you said you had an opinion. Let's, let's, hear, let's hear from John. I really, really tried to watch Downton Abbey. I, I, nearly everyone in my Twitter feed loves it. Alan Gibson just won't stop talking about it. Um, God love him, but I, I said, okay, there's something going on. I better watch this. Felicia Day is into it. Everybody everybody whom I, I respect seems to really just go nuts about Down, Downton Abbey. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to watch it. Watch the first episode. I said, okay, okay. Um, I don't know who any of these people are still. One hour later, I still have no idea what's going on. Watch the second episode, and I'm just just bored to tears. Like the pacing is so slow, but it's it's English drama, so that's what it is. Right. You know, if you watch any BBC English drama from the 70s, 80s, it's all that. Uh, it's it, it's it's feeding that need overseas, and I think there's a lot of, frankly, I think there are a lot of posers here in America who think, oh, English culture is so wonderful. I love Doctor Who, so I must love Downton Abbey. When they don't get it, it's it's the Emperor's New Clothes. They're like. Oh yes, it's wonderful. I think it's fantastic. No, it's not. It's awful. <laughs> Did you get to the third episode? No, it never got past the second. Okay. Never finished this. Episode. Okay, so this is what I'm going to say. My first, my first exp- uh, experience with Downton Abbey was the third episode, and the third episode was enough for me to go back and watch one and two that same night. So the third episode is really when you start to get to know the characters, and 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 having 
exposed people who didn't know the show, even recently, in the last couple of weeks. The first, I, I realized the first two episodes are exactly like you say, you don't know them. But what happens in the third episode kind of really defines everybody, and you get a chance to relate to the characters, and it gives you a reason to want to know what they're doing in the episodes that follow. And up until then, you really don't have anything that you're invested in in any of the characters. You, you know, they could do whatever, you just don't care. That's the first real good uh, uh, supporting statement anyone's ever said. Anytime I've ever said, I, I don't get the show, please tell me, tell me why I should get the show. And every response to a man has been, well, if you don't get the show, just just don't don't just don't try. No, no, defend it. I want to know why. It's so good. Please defend it. I I want to like this because I want to be in your club. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I know that I know that my my wife likes it because of the uh, the historical tie-ins to the to the what, the early, yeah the early, well in the early 1900s and the art the the, the 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 aristocracy and all that that stuff doesn't appeal to me. I think as much as maybe the drama would if I did it actually choose to watch it. But. I have to say I learned something from the show because I was watching it and season two the World War Two happens and I was or World War One, I'm sorry. And I was like, Man, I am not educated enough on this. So I looked it up and was reading about World War One. The next day I went to trivia at a bar and there was a World War One question and I was like, I know this <laughs> <laughs> I watched Delta <Elton> Abbey. <laughs> oh. I've heard uh, that you know, part of their treatment of history, or at least how fast things go, at least from the second to the third season, is uh, not not all that great, but that, that's what. But you're not watching the show. No, I'm not. My my mother is watching it. She she says though that she preferred thought upstairs downstairs did it better. Right. As far as from that genre that era. Right. Okay. Uh, yeah. But, yeah. Absolutely. But I, I I probably would enjoy it if I had the time. But another another year. Yeah. <laughs> that's my biggest problem is the fact that I'm following so many shows right now mm -hmm. really do I want to add a Downton Abbey do I want to add this series do I want to add that series after my, my DVR is choking already on the series that I'm following <laughs> exactly no. we have a season and a half of Supernatural yeah we still have a season and a half of Supernatural we have the last five episodes I was going to ask if anybody was watching Supernatural apparently not so we want to get through all of that first and then after I've finished all of that then maybe I'll add something else on but not yet. Yeah. But then it won't be Downton Abbey, probably. No, <laughs> probably not. Probably not. Yeah. So, I mean, are there other sci-fi shows that you guys are watching that we haven't? I mean, those are some general ones, but I know like Big Bang Theory we didn't talk about, which I guess is pseudo sci-fi. Grim. Uh, what? Grim? You're watching Grim? Yeah. How, how's Grim going? I watched the first episode of Grim, and that's all I have in my uh, book. I, I thought thought overall they they've been doing a good job. They've been building up a good mythology uh, through the series so far. They've left us. They left us on a big cliffhanger at the end of the first half of the, half of this season, and it's coming back uh, in, in a couple of weeks, I believe. And it's uh, it's been quite interesting. It, it reminded me of Buffy the Vampire Slayer a bit in how it's approaching uh, this world. Mm -hmm. So, but it's it's been been quite interesting. You know, there've been a lot lot of good characters there. Monroe is the standout character of of the episode. It, um, he, you know, he, he, he's, he's when our, our hero first encountered the f in, in the first episode and thought he was uh, uh, he was killing people, but it was somebody somebody else of the same uh, species who was, and he's been very very entertaining character, and he he's really probably the most entertaining character on the whole whole show, but it's been uh, quite quite interesting so far. Mm. Yeah, I do remember him from the first episode. So, and he was the humor. Even then, he was he had the humorous. At, there was a humorous aspect right. to him. So, anyone else watching Grimm? 
watching Grill. Just a few episodes. Yeah. Again, it was one of those things, uh, when that show came out at the same time as Once Upon a Time, um, I think they first started about the same time, and I watched the first year of Once Upon a Time and haven't watched any of this year's Once Upon a Time. Season two, season one had a point. They were trying to break the curse. Right. Season two, now they... The curse is sort of broken? broken the curse, kind of, and there's other problems they have to deal with, and... I feel like season two is a lot more character driven, which might be okay, except they're kind of approaching the level of angst of like a, a, a Hunger Games or something. I don't, I don't know what's going on with their writers, but I'm a couple episodes behind. I'm only into like the middle of the Captain Hook stories, but I don't know if I like season two as much as I like season one. But I'll stick with it. Yeah. I'll see where. It goes. Yeah, I mean, they're doing a whole bunch of different different things this season, so they're, 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 there's a lot of different stories. I mean, they did. They did, you know, they have this one story, which I guess you're still in the midst of with uh, Snow White and Emma trapped in the, in the other realm still. Oh, I've seen them come back. Okay, 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 okay. I've seen them come back. <laughs> so, it's, it's, so but, 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 but that was nice. You know, they had that whole arc there where Snow White and Emma got, got trapped in, in the other realm, and then, but they brought that to a nice conclusion, and there's still... There's still a uh, Mulan and Aurora story still to, still that needs to happen in in that realm for them trying to rescue the prince who got uh, taken by the by the wraith. So there's that. Plus we've got Mr. Gold's story. He's 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 off in search of his son. Then we've got Cora doing who knows what in in Storybrooke. So that's going on. Plus you know there, there's lots of other different character movies. stories of things that are going on, and th- there's probably too many characters for them to be featuring featuring them each episode. But it's been uh, I found it qu- quite entertaining this season. It's entertaining, Still. but for me, I think I found one of the things really with some of the shows nowadays, especially Once Upon a Time. I'm really trying to get into it. I mean, there are certain aspects of Once Upon a Time I'm really into and I'm really interested by, but at the same time, they've got these stories that have loose hand- ends hanging off everywhere. And it's me watching this show and trying to, okay, what storyline are we following? Okay, no, wait, okay, we were following that storyline, now we're on this story. No, wait, what storyline are we following now? And so it's like seven or eight different threads hanging off and trying to follow which thread we're following this this episode or this minute or this 15-minute spot before we're well, you, jumping you to another Well, you can tell one. that it's people from Lost... Who are behind this? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. sure. All that's missing is the floating letters and numbers on the, on Although, the, on I think the screen. The thing I really enjoyed this season was they, they told us who Dr. Whale is. Which was that, that was a nice re- revelation. And I won't ruin it for anyone who hasn't seen that episode because it was really just a WTF moment, like, oh, okay. But they're, I mean, they're bringing in characters from Disney now and they're not just classic fairy tales, and I, I think it's getting a little too complicated, but I'll stick with it. But so, I mean that that makes it you know I, some of the complication does make it more interesting at times too. Yeah, yeah, that, that you do need to think about it, but yeah. But but are there too many characters playing right. into the show that you have to follow? That yeah. um, this is I mean this becomes part of the issue that I think um, yeah. If you listen to the show, you know we've been Miles and I are huge Fringe people, right? Um, and we're doing a Fringe panel later on today. But one of the things that made Fringe. Um, so hard for people is if they entered in to Fringe second season, third season, there's a sense where you were you you were missing a lot. And I'm worried when I hear when I hear this about Once Upon a Time that someone that just says, "Well, I want to try Once Upon a Time," they jump into the middle of second season, and there's so many characters to follow. If you don't have the background from season one, that's going to be a. Di- it's almost like you have to go back and rewatch all that material to kind of 
make it accessible and will it you, suffer the same you totally fate? Do. Yeah. You can't yeah. just pick it up in the middle and have any yeah. idea what the heck's going on. It's like yeah. Downton Abbey. You can't pick it up in the middle of any yeah. idea what's going yeah. on. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of yeah. sad that way. Yeah. That's the way TV is now. Is It's more... Yes. And I was remembering the uh, the X-Files. They, 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 they had this overall art, but they were there was a sense where you could jump into an X-Files episode and pretty well follow it unless it was one of the few mythology episodes which they kind of spaced out. It wasn't... Right. And even though there, every single episode maybe had a hint are a little small thing that those of us that were following the myth arc were like, ooh, that's what that is. It wasn't enough that distracted the regular viewers from jumping into that show. And so, but it's a different different era of show. Right. But they do have, you know, the previously, which gives you some They've, indications yeah. of of what, uh, what what happened beforehand. So, so it could be that that some smart viewers, if they do jump in, that they might be able to get enough clues to to follow on what's going on. Right. It's that same situation that is so different now with Doctor Who. If you take a look at the way Doctor Who was when you're, I mean, just taking a look at the new seasons, uh, the new Doctors when you're just starting from Doctors nine and ten. Doctors nine and ten, each episode you could jump into that one episode and you could follow what was going on and you could pretty much just feel like. Okay, yeah, I can get started with this. And then if you want to go back to the earlier episodes, you can do that. But with Eleven, Eleven is like a whole story arc that you're following. So like with Eleven, if you jump in in the middle of the first, in the middle of, say, the first season of Eleven, you're going to wonder what's going on because there's certain things going on in each episode that you're not going to understand unless you watched one, two, three, four, and 5 before it. So... That's the one thing that, that, that's one of the biggest problems that I have with Eleven now, is I, I enjoy Matt Smith, and I think he's doing a good job. I love the companions that he's had with him. But I miss having the, the nine and ten thing of just having each episode kind of be encapsulated in on its own so you can watch wherever you want to and not feel lost. Yeah, and they just have, and even like with, 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 with what, nine and ten, it's, there is an arc, but it's very loose. It's a very loose arc that you can jump in, and yeah. and as again, you don't miss much if you kind of jump in. There might be an episode or two that you're confused in, but I agree that the Matt Smith, the, the, definitely the storyline, uh, the River uh, storyline, and the many other storylines in there just take that to a whole new level as far as you. And I didn't mind it because I'm a I love. I love it, and I'm watching it from episode to episode. But uh, I could see that being an issue for someone that doesn't, yeah. that maybe catches it when it's on, or however they're catching that. See, I actually like that it has that. I oh, feel like, I agree. I I, I'm, not, it, I'm not against that. I'm not saying that's bad for me, but I'm just saying for other people, I yeah. understand. It adds that mystery box that you were talking about earlier that right. I think that the other doctors didn't have quite as much. That and that is true, especially with the the new companion that they're kind of introducing. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean my future wife? Yeah. 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 <laughs> that one, that's right, right. I mean, it could be, though, you know, now that they've had, you know, these practically record-setting uh, figures in England with, with you know, building up from season to season, that they're, secu- they're basically secure enough that they can have these arcs and know that they aren't going to be losing audience there. So they don't have to have a standalone uh, episodes every week. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I I agree. So, I mean, I mean, I, I mean, I and I've been liking it. Any other comments on Doctor Who? Or on I guess Doctor Who, but even though we weren't planning to go, I mean, it's just well, I guess the, the big surprise is that we've got such a large country here, and we have such a small <laughs> audience for it compared to England. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I did like the Christmas episode with Ian McKellen, Gandalf. 
Yes. You know, in there. So I thought it was great that it had Gandalf. In. I'm very happy what BBC America is doing this year with the the each month getting at least one episode of like the classic Doctor Who, so you can kind of go back and see like the origins. Like last month they had the first Doctor, and then the 24th of this month they'll have an episode of the second Doctor, and then going one, two, three, four, five all the way around. So that that's kind of cool to kind of go back. Because I got started with Doctor Who and uh, Doctor Number Three, John Pertwee, mm -hmm. um, and it's it's kind of cool since they don't show those classic episodes all that much anymore. It's kind of nice to to turn on the TV and see like one of those classic episodes and see where all of this great stuff for nine, ten, and eleven really started from. Right. So so I guess they're they're doing one an episode, uh, one, episode one, one a week, building up until the Easter premiere of the new season. Yeah. Right. 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 See, and that's something I probably should do because I haven't watched anything before Eccleson. So I'm, I mean, that's just you're deprived. I am. <laughs> Either that, or I don't know. I, I've, I've, been, I've enjoyed every single episode since. Just haven't made the time to go back and watch some of the classic Who. Yeah, I mean, you don't really need to because they've done, done it. But there is is a greater appreciation for some of the things if you do have that history, you know, of those 23... And I know they bring back villains that have been a part of the classic Who that if you know classic Who, right. it kind of means a little bit something else beyond it. Not that you don't get the idea that Right, but, and then recently they had a reference to Lethbridge Stewart. So if you had, had, had that appreciation to... Um, to that character before, and then you know, you know, the actor just recently died last year. Then you know that that was a nice touch that they had. Well, I found that it also added a, a really nice uh, a reaction for you. Like the episode of, with Tennant called, I believe it was called the end of. It wasn't the end of time, but it was it was the episode where he goes to the very end of of the universe. And that's where he bumps into you know it, it's him and and uh, Martha and Jack, mm -hmm. and uh, right at the end of that episode, where his TARDIS is being hijacked and all of a sudden the one guy regenerates and then the last words he says before he regenerates is I am the master. Right. And for someone that was only watching from nine, ten, and eleven, those people were probably just like, okay, well I guess that's supposed to mean something, but. For people like me who had been watching it since three, they're like, they're bringing the master back? Oh my God! And then yeah. you know, it was like a whole right. extra layer to that yeah. episode that really got you into it. And yeah. I love how John Sim played the master. Yeah. He was absolutely diabolical, yeah. and I loved it. And it, so, would, it would have been nice to see more of Derek Jacoby's master, though. Yes, it would have been good to see Derek J Jacoby's master, but yeah. uh, it was nice to see that. And it was also a really good thing for the episode reunion when you get to see Sarah Jane come back. Right. Uh, and just that lovely scene where you know she sees the TARDIS and backs out, and then you know you just have him in the background just being lit in that dark room, and just that one line of just "Hello, Sarah Jane." And it was just that beautiful back and forth, and you get a little bit more out of that if you've been watching it since the beginning. Right, right, very good, very good. Well, I think we have to kind of uh, wrap up our show. Okay. It sounds about right because we're almost out of time here. But I want to thank you so much for joining us here on the Sci-Fi Diner podcast live from Farpoint 2013. And, um, and again, uh, we hope you'll join us online when we uh, share this and share uh, many other episodes that we do. Um, if you have a chance, come back. We'll be back on a fringe panel. We'll be doing something that's exclusively dedicated to the end and the, the final end all be all Neil will be joining us for that uh, that's at what four o'clock you yeah. said see he knows the schedule better than I do and uh, <laughs> but um, and again so if they want to find us Miles where do they find us 
Uh, we have our own website, uh, sci-fi-diner-podcast.com. Also, we have a Facebook page. Uh, a thriving community of that, that yep. people just interact. And sure. So please visit us on our Facebook page also. And if you want to get your two cents into our show and the discussion we've been having here today, you can do so by emailing us at the Sci-Fi Diner Podcast at gmail.com. Uh, you can also call one 888 508-4343. No, I forgot the number there. And uh, that'll get a message into the show as well. I believe that's it. All right. Till next time, good night and good luck. We will see ya.